Hey, welcome to Plant Yourself. I'm your host, Howard Jacobson. Two quick announcements before we get to today's show. If you're interested in becoming a health coach, I'm offering another run due to popular demand for people who can't make 8 p.m. on Wednesday nights, Eastern Time. So we're doing another run of the program, which will meet the practicums will meet at 10 a.m. on Wednesdays, Eastern Time U.S., which means if you're in Europe or Africa, uh, that might be good for you. Also, if you're in the US and evenings aren't good and you have free time in the mornings, either 7 a.m. Uh, Pacific time or 10 to 1130 Eastern, then you can participate. If you want to find out more about becoming a wicked effective health coach, you can go to wellstartcoach.com. Second thing is, if you're not aware of it, Josh Lajani and I have a book that is free on Amazon Kindle. It's called Sick to Fit. And if you just go to Amazon and search for Sick to Fit, you'll be able to download it for free and read it on any Kindle enabled device, even a phone, smartphone, tablet, computer whatever. All right, let's get to today's episode. This is the Plant Yourself podcast. I'm Howard Jacobson of plantyourself.com and wellstarthealth.com. This podcast is part of my mission to help you live an inspiring and impactful life. So today's guest is Gwyn Whitaker. Gwyn is the CEO and founder of Green Fair Cafe in Herndon, Virginia, which as far as she and I know, is the only 100% whole food plant based organic restaurant that either of us has ever heard of. And so if you know of one, just uh, email me so I can uh, correct that error. So from a career as an engineer and an entrepreneur in the intelligence community, Gwen pivoted to nutrition and health after the untimely and tragic death of her 50 year young fiance in 2010. And she assumed that there was a, a relationship between his death and the South Carolina diet that he consumed, a lot of meat, a lot of fried foods. And she went on a quest to discover how to be healthy, what humans should eat. And she discovered Forks Over Knives and the China Study and T. Colin Campbell and the Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine. And with a skill set and a background as a change maker where change is hard, uh, Gwen decided to roll up her sleeves and get involved in this community and started asking people what is needed. And she uh, started with some financial donations to help Nelson Campbell complete Plant Pure Nation. And she is an executive producer of the Game Changers documentary that has just come out. But what I wanted to talk to her about is this little cafe that she started and runs in Herndon, Virginia, Green Fair, this 100 percent whole food, plant based, organic cafe and why she started it, why she decided to buck the current trend of, you know, Impossible Burger Beyond and Miyoko's to kind of make vegan plant based food incredibly palatable to mass market, she's gone the other direction and said, no, we are going to create what she calls the restaurant of the future that feeds people without making them chronically diseased in the process. And we talked about the restaurant, we talked about her journey, and we talked about the, the impact of a place like this on a community. 
Before we get there, a couple of really quick things. One, Josh Lajani and I are holding a health retreat in central North Carolina, about 33 minutes drive from our local RDU airport. And that's November 14th through 17th. And we still have some spaces left, either for individuals or couples. And by couples, we mean any uh, two people willing to share a queen-size bed in a bedroom. Uh, no questions asked. And we uh, are really looking forward to what we're thinking of as a intensively casual experience where there will be no clipboards, no agendas, no PowerPoint, just living the life with a small group of people for from Thursday night through Sunday noon. If you want more information about that, you can check us out at sick to fit. And that's the number two, unfortunately, sick to fit dot com slash retreat. Also, uh, Wellstart Coach Training rides again starting in November. If you're interested in becoming a wicked effective health coach in the plant-based uh, vein, then check us out at wellstartcoach.com. And finally, a quick reminder that this podcast is free for everyone and supported, paid for by those who can afford it. So if you would like to support the mission of the show, if you're a longtime listener, uh, I'd love it. Just go to Patreon and search for Plant Yourself, and even a dollar a month makes a big difference uh, psychologically and also in terms of other people finding it and supporting it on Patreon. And really, it takes it takes a community to do something like this. I do you know, the interviews and edits and all that stuff. But uh, really, I couldn't do it without the funding that I have been getting from the community. And uh, and I'd love the community to step up even more so that I'm not subsidizing so much of it uh, myself. All right, let's get to today's show. Without further ado, Gwen Whitaker, welcome to the Plant Yourself podcast. Hey, Hart, how are you? I'm doing great. I'm excited to talk to you. I think we, we yeah. met, I think, 2013 or 2014 at uh, the NAVS, right? North American Vegetarian Society. Yeah, maybe even before that. I think I, I sort of met you or at least uh, heard you at the uh, 2013 Holistic Holiday at Sea Cruise. That was where I saw you and oh. Colin first talk about the um, plant-based diet. And that was really my first in-depth immersion about ah. this lifestyle. Oh, wow. Okay. So that was uh, that was your introduction, sort of. It was. I had watched Forks Over Knives, and then maybe a couple days later, I saw the Holistic Holiday at Sea Cruise um, light up, and um, that was, um, was very, very exciting. So, wow. yeah. So I've okay. been on the cruise for uh, five, five years now, and I'm planning to go again this year. Oh, nice. I'll go back as soon as they invite me. <laughs> so if, uh, if if Sandy's listening, uh, I, I don't mind. I'll, 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 uh, I'll take a bullet for the team and go back on the cruise and teach. It's a, it's a hardship, I know. Yeah. Ha ha. It's a pun, right? Hardship. <laughs> so, <quick>. so, <laughs> so before before we lose all our listeners, um, so we Let's you know right. You're uh, you're doing a lot of really cool, powerful, innovative stuff in the plant based slash health world. But let's let's go back to like your your background because you you have a background in like consulting and secure like weird stuff, right? Like has nothing to well, do. <laughs> yeah, I like to say I'm a, a change enabler in places where it's hard to make change. Uh, so my background is in engineering, I'm an electrical engineer, and I spent 35 years in the intelligence community helping to take new technologies into that space. 
So high performance computing, uh, big data, data analytics. Um, I ran a company in the intelligence community for 10 years that helped put, um, we put the first cloud computer at CIA. And then I got into um, electric vehicles. Uh, so <clears throat> my company actually does all the, cater the catering locally for Tesla. Uh, and then um, plant-based nutrition, I sort of see as a competitive asset. So when people, companies adopt plant-based nutrition throughout the company, it provides a competitive edge for people. So the sooner you get in it, the, the better off you're going to be. Oh, that's now that's good. That's fascinating. I'm I'm yeah. I'm already like writing down taglines to steal for <laughs> <laughs> for WellStar. Plant-based nutrition as a competitive asset. <laughs> It's so, yeah. so let's I mean, let's talk before we get there. Let's talk a little bit about like this. You have like this fascinating career. Like, did you start a company that that helped intelligence community, you know, communicate better and secure their data? So I had been in that space with uh, companies like Hewlett Packard, uh, Cray Research, the supercomputer company, Silicon Graphics, and I ran Teradata's Intel practice. And when the internet started becoming a thing in the 2000s, I left uh, to join a VC-funded startup, and it ended up putting me up in New York City on 9-11. So I was uh, two blocks from the trade towers when the plane flew into the building. Mm. And at the time, I decided to uh, get back into the intelligence community and focus on helping to bring disparate data sources together. So I started a company about two weeks after 9-11, and I sold my company six months after Osama bin Laden was taken out. We wow, actually so put, bookends, huh? Yeah, we actually put some of the technology in place that helped with targeting um, uh, in, in the uh, counterterrorism center. So it was... Mm. Uh, very um, interesting time, and I had a great team of people, and uh, we were bought by another company, and that gave me sort of the freedom to uh, pursue things that were of interest to me. Mm. Uh, so, so the I don't want to go down the rabbit hole completely, but I am curious, like the, when you saw the like nine eleven, like a, like one of the narratives of it was all these intelligence agencies had all the pieces. And they didn't communicate, so they didn't they didn't put the puzzle together to to prevent it. Is that kind of what was going through your mind? Yeah, the data was there, but it was in disparate data sources. I think people were more concerned at that point in time with protecting data rather than sharing data. So a lot of the uh, directives that came out after that time sort of enabled the push to be more proactive in sharing data between agencies. So we helped to uh, do the implementation of that with a lot of the new technologies that were coming out. Gotcha. I, I was just listening yeah. to a uh, to a thing on NPR with um, Cal Newport, who just wrote this book on digital minimalism, and it was I think he put an article in the New Yorker uh, about email and how bad it is, and he, and he used as an example the CIA building that had this early form of email, with which was like. Like basically the stuff that you take to put your check in the bank from the drive-through lane, like these pneumatic right. tubes. <laughs> right. Did, did yeah. you did you see that stuff there? In, no, uh, well, it's it's uh, it's changed a lot since then. It's it's definitely. Um, uh, I don't know if you ever saw the movie Enemy of the State when that came out. That sort of predicted mm. more how things are now, where you, you actually see 
uh, different types of intelligence being combined to give analysts a better perspective of what's happening. So it's much more state of the art now. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. And I, I guess uh, w what happened to me was maybe two years before I sold my company, I, I lost a partner to heart disease. Um, I was engaged to this uh, fe fellow named Tony. He was a Navy captain, and uh, I had met him at IBM. He had left the Navy and gone to work for IBM. And so I was consulting, and he was working there. And we were together seven years. And um, one night when I was driving home, um, we were talking on the phone and he was um, basically talking about what to get for dinner. And he said, I feel dizzy and dropped off the line. And so I called 911. And uh, by the time I got home, um, my cul-de-sac was filled with paramedics and fire engines. And uh, he, he was not able to be revived. Mm. <clears throat> and so and gosh, what, what year was this? This was actually uh, in uh, 20, 2009, so it was mm. 10 years ago this October. Um, oh, gosh. And at the time, I thought that it was genetic. His mother had uh, died of heart disease, and his dad died of heart disease, and so it was pretty common for South Carolina uh, <clears throat> natives to uh, have that, and when I would go to visit him, I always took my own food. And so I was on sort of a different path than he was. Um, but it struck me, he was only 50 years old and had three kids. So it was a very traumatic event. And um, basically, uh, at the time, I just thought it was genetic. And then fast forward two years later, my uh, boyfriend now introduced me to Forks Over Knives. And I watched that and it was it really resonated with me. Esselstyn talking about diet, diet being a, um, a path to avoiding heart disease or reversing heart disease uh, mm. really opened my eyes to something. I always thought I was on a healthy diet, um, but with the sort of the Western uh, mentality of you need uh, animal protein and you need uh, dairy for calcium. And so the movie dispelled those things. And then after the holistic holiday at Sea Cruise, that intense immersion, I I never went back. So hmm. I took the few remaining things. I stopped seafood and stopped dairy and eggs. Uh -huh. And I started feeling better. Yeah. So so you mentioned like you were already eating what you thought was better. Uh, I guess like, you know, clean like salmon and more salad and stuff. But then like, did you have any health problems of your own? So you started feeling better. Was it, was it just sort of you thought you were fine and you didn't realize how much better you could feel? Or were there like things? Yeah, that's I mean, that's always a thing. I think, you know, you sort of accept growing older with getting sort of different things start to come into play, you know, slowing down or not being able to do the same things you did when you were younger. And what I found was a lot of those things really reversed. You know, my my skin. I'm I'm 61. My skin got better than probably when mm. I was 40. Um, I lost and kept off like almost 15 pounds. Um, I <clears throat> I had bursitis on one of my shoulders, um, basically went away. So I was able to work out without any pain, and I could go do a boot camp for an hour and then not feel any pain for the next two days. So that was, 
and sleep was probably one of the the big things. I always thought that sleep was um, because of a stressful job, but if you ever decide to open a restaurant, um, you'll notice that there's a lot of stress with that too, but it just really affected me in a different way. Um, I didn't feel the same. It was almost like that anxiety just, just flew away. And so the absence of it uh, was amazing. And sleep, being able to lay down and actually fall right to sleep was something that I had, I just never experienced before. So, mm. so it's like all the, all the things that went away were sort of like normal parts of being in your 50s. Right. The, the skin yeah, goes, you got, you got aches and pains. It's hard to yeah. sleep. You're under stress. Like when you look when you looked around, I'm I'm guessing that almost everyone, you know, all your contemporaries were suffering pretty much the same decline. Yeah, it's you know, it's sort of interesting now. I mean, the the four things that I usually talk with people about are everybody wants to lose weight. Um, blood pressure, cholesterol, and diabetes. Those are like the top four reasons I think that people uh, engage with us now. And, you know, my weight had crept up over time. So that was probably the biggest thing for me. I didn't have blood pressure or cholesterol issues. Um, but the other things are more inconveniences and not, they're not like reasons necessarily to see a doctor. So for me, just kind of shedding those things was, um, it gave me a glimpse into a hopeful future. Mm. Were, you, were you on any meds? Um, I would take uh, Ambien to, to go to sleep. And I'd had periods um, after 9-11 and after Tony's death where I took um, anxiety medication. And the feelings that I had associated with that that drove that need for medication really just, just went away. And that's without without like therapy or... That's yeah. just just the 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 physical changes, the diet. The di I mean, the you know, if you think about it, you're taking a pill to stop a, um, a symptom, and food is medicine, just in a different package. And so it's you know what we talk about now is it's more not what you eat, it's what you don't eat, and when you take the things out that cause. Uh, you know, and, and, you know, one of the things I think I think about now is anxiety. If you think about the hormones of the fish that I had been eating were trapped in nets over days of time, you know, so they had the fear hormones, the um, hmm. you know, all of the all of the sort of the things that you th would think about if you knew you were going to die or present and, and secreted in fish, and then you're eating those fish. And so if you're thinking of taking a hormone pill, that's basically what you're getting when you eat, when you eat fish is all of those, the anxiety of the fish being trapped in a net. So taking that out of my diet, I think was really what um, freed me from that. Wow, I never thought of it that way. That's like, you know, there's anti-anxiety meds, and then there's pro-anxiety. <laughs> right, absolutely. Oh, here, have some fish hormones. They were, they were, <laughs> they were terrified for a week. Yeah. And, and then and then killed at the height of their terror. Yeah, absolutely. So that's wow. that's what they're ingesting. It's really, uh, you know, you either get it in a laboratory to prevent it or you can take out what's what's causing it. So T Tony, my uh, the my fiance was a Navy captain and the Navy never had the same budget as people in the Air Force. And so 
when he would have something go wrong in his car, he used to put a piece of black tape over the indicator light on his dashboard, like the passenger seat uh, airbag went off. So he put a piece of black tape over it and I, he couldn't see it, but I could see it flashing. And so uh, I think that's what people do today when they go to their doctors is their indicator light is going on. Their, their body is giving them indicators that something's not right. And they go to the doctor and the doctor's giving them a pill or black tape to put over their body's uh, indication that something's going wrong. And so I think, you know, from an engineering perspective, you know, I like to talk with people about root cause, that if you're actually focused on removing the thing that's causing the problem, that it's going to uh, recast the, the whole system as opposed to just this the symptom or the indicator that was causing the problem. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so you continued, I can't remember exactly the year that uh, bin Laden was killed. So 2014. 20... Yeah, that was I think it was in 20, um, 20, 2008 was when I started 2008. It was in, in that time frame. Okay, so um, so what so what year did you leave your the company and and start and how did how did you make the transition to like entrepreneurship and making and making things happen in the health and plant based space? Um, I started um, thinking about it for a year and um, sorry. Um, for, for about a, a year and um, went to uh, visit a couple of the clinics. I visited uh, McDougal's Wellness Clinic and I went out to True North. So I sort of did a, a deep dive probably in 2001, 2002. And that was a time frame where I started. Wait, wait, not 2001. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh. Yeah, 2011. Okay. 2012. Sorry. sorry. Okay. <laughs> Missing a decade the, there. Yeah, the, jur the journalist in me got alarmed. Yeah. So um, in that time frame, that was sort of when I was looking to sell my company, but hadn't um, completely gotten there yet. So um, I started on the path and I ended up, um, I think it was 2012, um, reaching out to Colin Campbell and uh, he was up at Summerfest Actually, I reached out to you and said, I'm, I'm interested in making a difference in this space. And uh, I'd love to talk with Colin about how to um, uh, help him with what he's doing. And you introduced me to Colin. And then I flew up to Summerfest with him one year and um, met with him. And I said, how can I help with this movement? And his son, Nelson, was working on his film, uh, Plant Pure Nation, then. So I uh, made a, a donation to help the film get finished. And um, at the same time, I asked if they would do one of the, they were doing these jumpstart diets down in North Carolina called the Kick uh, Jumpstart. It was a 10 day thing that was, they sort of uh, talked about in the film. And um, so we did one of those in uh, Reston, which is where I live. And I had, I talked 45 people into changing their diet for just 10 days. And Nelson brought the food up and Colin Campbell um, brought the um, uh, forks over knives. And um, we did, I had a nurse that did blood testing for uh, before and after. 
And it was it was almost like a miracle. We'd see 20 to 30 percent um, blood drop, uh, cholesterol drop in uh, blood cholesterol. And um, people, one friend with rheumatoid arthritis, it basically went away. So she had went from four meds to three meds in 10 days. And um, so it was it was very, uh, very dramatic, um, very dramatic uh, project. And I started think people started saying this 10 day thing changed my life. And so I started thinking, how can I do this to scale and remove the obstacles for people being successful, which is people don't know how to shop. They don't know how to cook. Uh, they have a lot of questions around going from the standard American diet to plant-based. So I opened uh, um, the restaurant, Green Fair, um, that We'll see in November. I signed a lease in September and opened the restaurant in um, November. What, what year are we? This is in 2015. 2015. Yeah. Okay. So, so did, what did you know about food and food business? Nothing. I. Um, all right, because because the, re yeah. <laughs> the reason I'm asking is like I know a lot of people who've started restaurants, and there's very yeah. few of them I could interview four years later who are still in the restaurant business. Yeah, so it's it's sort of an act of philanthropy. Um, it it hasn't it hasn't gone into the black yet, but it's one of those things where I set the bar really really high because I I wanted to be not just any restaurant but a restaurant of the future. So you know we were doing plant. We started in 2015 doing all plant based, um, organic, which takes took a year and a half to go through that certification. Uh, we're one of six organic certified restaurants these days, in, and we started one of doing six in, in the country in the in the U.S. Wow! And we started doing um, the uh, salt, oil, sugar free aspect as well, which was something else that I had learned on the cruise. Was the things that the food industry uses to get people addicted to food that cause harm to people? So when you take those things out and you take out the 400 chemicals that other restaurants are, are have in their ingredients uh, that are part of being non-organic uh, and combine that with plant-based, sort of those three things really cause very dramatic health outcomes. Um, uh, uh, so so the, the entrepreneur in me is thinking, <laughs> you just took out all the things that people love to eat, they, they get addicted to. Like what were the, were the what were the early reviews? I mean, did how, how did you first how do you make this taste good? Because like you know, you and I, after years, like we can look at a bowl of steamed kale or or summer squash and go, oh, this is delicious. Maybe a little oregano or something, a little lemon juice. But for most people, when they try it the first time, they're like, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, we have. Um so if you look on our Yelp reviews, we either have five stars or one star. And a lot of it really depends on education and sort of where people are on their journey. So because we do the kickstart at Green Fair, uh, we've had almost 900 people go through this 21-day program now. Um, and that's where we teach classes and we actually give people two meals a day for 21 days. So they come into class and then they take home a bag of food. And the first couple of days for people that have been on a standard American diet, it's not that fun. Uh, 
And if you read Doug Lyle's book, he talks about, you know, the standard American diet is the top of the sinusoidal wave. And I, I call the pit of despair is like the two to three days where your taste buds are being reset. Uh-huh. And if people make it through that point, what they start to notice is their cravings start to dramatically um, shift. They're craving fruits, vegetables, whole grains, beans and legumes that are spiced with um you know, interesting flavors, but not soaked in salt, oil, and sugar. And so yeah, the, the restaurant thing has been, um, they're definitely challenging things from the standpoint of uh, being next to a Thai restaurant and watching people go into that restaurant instead of ours. Oh. Um, and knowing it's like you're either choosing health or you're choosing um what you've sort of grown expected, you know, ex- learned to um, expect from uh, going out to eat. So um, we, yes. we sometimes joke <laughs> that we're sort of like the birthday place, you know, uh, there's, there'll be a table of six and there'll be one happy kid with a big smile on their face and a lot of adults with, <laughs> that are sort of like frowning at the menu. <laughs> it's, it's almost like having an, an art house theater next to a porno. <laughs> Uh, that's a, that's a great analogy. I love that. Um, and, and so it's really, you know, people that are educated and innovative, you know, as they learn about plant-based and they hear from Esselstyn and Forks Over Knives and Colin Campbell and Michael Greger and uh, Neil, Neil Barnard, all of these, we tend to be the landing place for people that want to continue that. So we have been growing a set. Basically, it's a community. In the, in the restaurant, we do things like dinner and a movie. Um, we have speakers that come in. I have a lot of books in the restaurant. And so if people come in and they like the food, um, then they'll explore the books. And you know, if I'm there, our servers will have a discussion with people about why we're doing things a certain way, You know, why we don't cook with salt in the kitchen, but we have salt on the table for flavor. So, you know, it's just, it's a difference between bread and potato chips. Bread is going to have a lot more sodium than potato chips, but potato chips, you taste it on your tongue. It's just not cooked into the bread. So we encourage people to use it for, for flavoring instead of as an embedded ingredient to uh, extend the shelf life. Right. Now I'm curious where, where like you're, the restaurant, the food gets people in and then you will show them the books and the movies and start explaining. So you're you're, st- you're starting with, uh, as Brian Terry says, this uh, you know, the chef from from California, you start with the visceral and then to the intellectual and then the political. Um, some people, you know, would say like that's the job of Impossible Burger and Beyond Meat and Memphis Meats to get people t- into like like to make to make it seem as mo- as much like what they're already doing as possible. And yet you're doing outreach in a way where you're saying we're going to change things. You're going to you know, we're going to give you a completely different experience. And it, and it may take you a couple of days to to adapt to it. What what was your philo- what was your philosophy driving you to do, you, you know, whole food, plant based SOS free as opposed to, you know, an impossible burger sort of. Hey, it's, it's, you know, it bleeds like meat, tastes like meat, smells like meat, but it's peas. Yeah. So what we're giving people is um, not the taste experience that they're used to, but we're giving them the health that they're not, they're not used to. 
So when we get people, we're replacing it with something better. It's like when you can get somebody that's had Crohn's disease all their life and all of a sudden the Crohn's disease goes away or the pain from rheumatoid arthritis goes away or um, asthma, you know, in 21 days, we've seen people that have um, basically reversed things that they've experienced their entire life and you allow them to breathe or to move or to, uh, you know, do things in their life that they haven't been able to do because of what they're eating then those people are become dedicated to this, um, this food. So it can be one of the most, I think, dramatic experiences that people ever have. And it's really, it's an education thing that I think um, if I look at the path of uh, the Impossible Burger and the Beyond Meat, um, I think those are great because they're taking animals out of the, out of the uh, food chain but they're not promoting health. The people that are choosing those things are choosing um, to maintain where they are from a health perspective and not necessarily to improve their, their own animal um, experience. So, you know, if you look at um, those, those products and the, you know, the fat profile and the uh, things with the, the heme iron, I think a lot of the things that are, um, you can, and I think Neil Neil Barnard does a talk now about the impact of coconut oil actually being just as bad as as eating beef. Uh, you know, from human experience, you're you're definitely doing it from a feel good in that you're not causing harm to another creature, and you're removing a lot of the I think the bacteria and the hormones that you get with animal products. But the fat component is going to be um, from a diabetes and a heart disease. It's going to be sort of on par. Um, you know, with, with those things. So um, I don't, I, I, I think I, there's a whole range of places right now that are focusing on alternatives to eating animals. And so I'm sort of supportive of all of those, um, whether it's fast food or, you know, my restaurant, which I hope over time, what's going to happen is some of the successful chains are going to not only um, like Silver Diner, for example, has a whole page of vegan options right now. And I, my hope is that as our customers go out, they start asking for organic options or uh, oil-free options. That they're, you know, as you have people more educated about things, that they're going to start pushing restaurants that are successful chains to decline the amount of animal products that they're serving and increase the number of plant-based options that they're serving that are healthy and that are, um, uh, you know, or organic. Mm -hmm. So that's, I think that's the, the future trend. Um, there's some vegan chains that are coming out. So that's, I have a friend fruit of, um, uh, uh, has a, I think they have five restaurants right now and they're actually looking to franchise. Oh, so what's, what's, the, what's the name of the restaurant? It's called Fruitive, F-R-U-I-T-I-V-E. Oh. And um, I'm, I'm friends with the owner and he's got in this basically because his parents didn't have a place to eat. So he created a restaurant. He's doing organic and he's doing plant-based. And I think he's starting to explore, explore the oil-free um, oil-free options. But he's, mm. he's based down in Norfolk and Virginia Beach and then D.C. Mm, very cool. Um, so 
you mentioned starting off with the with the the ten day jump start, and you know I was involved with with those early ones with Nelson in North Carolina, and we saw incredible changes in ten days. The challenge is with anything like that sustainability. So what 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 are you doing to help people on day eleven and day one hundred and eleven and day one thousand and eleven? Yeah, so we started uh, the project that I did initially was for ten days. And then when I opened the restaurant, we actually, I had met Neil Barnard and started working with um, uh, PCRM. So now we are a educational alliance partner with PCRM and we do the, um, the 21 day program, which is going to be better um, to um, keeping people on track. 21 to 28 days is going to be a lot better than, than just 10 days. And I'm actually working right now to, um, I started a 501c3 about um, three weeks ago. And the focus there is going to be to combine uh, traditional medicine, yoga, massage, chiropractic, and um, meditation in one place. And I'm hoping, um, I've got a proposal into a facility where we would be able to bring those different pieces together and partner with providers in those areas to do sort of what you said, which is to create sort of a holistic environment where people can get not only the education and the food, but also other things that are going to help keep them on their their journey. Mm. Um, can you find other, enough alternative practitioners who believe in the plant-based message, who aren't going to try to you know, undermine it with like, you know, Chinese medicine, you know, organic beef liver st sorts of things that I've heard from a lot of, you know, acupuncturists and. Yeah, that's it's a challenge because a lot of it's sometimes it's our customers educating their doctors or their gym, you know, people at the gym or their nutritional coaches. Um, so what I, we, we had one lady that went back to her doctor and he's like, it's fine what you're doing, just add some fish. And, you know, just those subtle suggestions from doctors can sort of undermine what we've seen. And when people do that and they notice that their health gets worse or goes back to where it had been before, then it sort of validates, um, you know, and you can do the blood, you can do the blood testing and the blood pressure and get the biometrics to actually show um, the, the success that this works. We've had maybe um, three dozen doctors go through the kickstart now. And so the doctors, when they go through it, they have a better idea of, especially when they do the blood testing and they lose weight and they, they see that um, this is the path. Um, we had, um, I reached out to a Washington Post reporter um, a few years ago, Cortland Malloy. He writes a uh, column. I think he's been there since 1975, so he's a local institution, um, writes in the metro section. And he uh, has written a couple articles about us, and then he actually went through the Kickstart himself in January. And I partnered with uh, one of Bill Clinton's doctors, uh, Dr. Rob Darling, who worked with Dean Ornish in the White House, to do... Um, a full biometrics on Portland before he started. So he did a, a carotid artery test. He did an informed body fitness where they're looking at uh, like bone fat and uh, muscle mass. And then he went through the nutritional program. I, I went to meditation um, classes with him for six weeks. 
and we watched movies together with a group and we started exercising. So we put a lot of these pieces together and he was sort of my, my guinea pig for this holistic um, path. And so he was extremely successful with the program. He's lost close to 50 pounds. He's um, been writing articles now in the Washington Post about his plant-based journey. And um, I think what he's finding now is that people were more skeptical when he started. And now more and more people are encouraging and jump, jumping on the bandwagon. You know, as he interviews people, he interviewed um, Eric Adams, who's the New York uh, Borough President. And he came to Green Fair and he ordered, um, interviewed um, Dr. Baxter Montgomery, the cardiologist from Houston. So he's... Um, he sort of bought into this and he's seen dramatic health improvements uh-huh. uh, uh, himself. I've seen the, so the, Was- the Washington Post now has like this plant-based uh, column. They do in the food section. The food so section. They have, yeah, they have um, two sections. One's a food section and one's a health section and they're sort of mutually exclusive. Um, so Joe Yonan in the food column has been writing, he's been a vegetarian, vegan, I guess. He's got um, a couple of cookbooks out. And so he started people down this path of plant-based nutrition. Mm -hmm. Um, I met met him out at um, the CIA. So the other um, CIA in Napa Valley. (laughs) Culinary Institute of of America, Culinary Institute of America. And this was really exciting. They were offering something called um, the Global Plant Forward Conference for restaurants and businesses in the uh, food industry. So um, Joe Yonan was out there and they were basically acknowledging that consumers are demanding plant-based meals. And if you're going to stay in business and ahead of the curve, you need to start incorporating these things on your menu. So it was it was very cool to see that um, a lot of the dishes they would cook would start out with a cup of olive oil and then they would finish it with a cup of olive oil. And so, you know, me and some other people were sort of looking at that going, well, it's better, but it's not completely there yet. So you see people sort of moving down this path um, of going in the right direction. It's, you know, I think it's uh, it's a journey as people get more education. You know, and the oil-free thing was something um, that I I didn't really understand that until a year, maybe a year. The the second holistic holiday at Sea Cruise I uh, went on, I did the oil-free option, and I've sort of been oil-free um, since then. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, every, all of these things make a huge difference in health. Um, yeah. So something I'm... I'm- interested in so right right now i'm i'm reading uh, bruce springsteen's autobiography uh born to run and one of the things like he's he's writing i'm still in the early stages where he's still writing about you know his early years before he made it big and one of the things that really struck me about is the importance of any of of institutions local institutions to the development of the whole music scene like if there was a club where people could plug in, you know, where there were amps on the walls, you could just plug in, you didn't need to have all your own your own equipment that created a much more uh, vibrant scene, a much lower bar for people. And then there were they, people could see each other. And it kind of fueled, you know, uh, a, a culture. And I'm wondering if you have seen how your restaurant kind of has 
enable things or amplified things or change things or allowed things in your local area? Because so much so many of us are working virtually. Like, Yeah, that's absolutely the case, I think, is that it normalizes something that started out as being a fringe behavior. So especially in people that are in their 50, 45 and up, you know, as they make this lifestyle change and their friends don't, then they start to feel isolated. And a lot of times, you, you know, get, get shunned by their friends because they're doing something different that maybe passes judgment on what their friends are doing. So their friends become uncomfortable. And I think what we do with the classes and then the events that we hold is show that it's a growing and normal path for people to be on. And it's it's sort of back to the smoking, uh, you know, analogy that I, I, I like to use when in 1964, I was a brownie and, you know, in the Girl Scouts. And I made my mother an ashtray that had my picture on the bottom of it. And that was my <laughs> gift to her. And so that was normal back in the 60s and the 70s and 80s. And I think when they started, you know, the restaurants um, being faced with taking smoking out of the restaurants or creating no smoking sections and owners were saying, well, I'm going to go out of business if you take away people's ability to smoke. And so there was huge protest in that space. And t today, if somebody lit up in a restaurant, everybody would be like, what's going on with that crazy person, right? So it's gone from being uh, the norm to being fringe behavior. And so I, I sort of see the plant-based community as the same thing as people get more education and they expand their circle of friends to see that it's, it's the, um, the leading edge thing to do. And, and whether you're doing it for your, your health, for the environment, for the animals, for athletic performance, there's so many compelling reasons to come to this way of uh, lifestyle now that uh, it doesn't matter to me which path you take to get there, um, but they all converge that this is the ideal um, way to, you know, if you care about climate change, if you see this tipping point where everybody went plant-based, um, you know, it could change things overnight on the, the whole climate change thing. So, um, somebody asked me, made the comment about the, um, the ozone layer, you know, uh, and if you remember, that was sort of a concern, I think in the eighties and the nineties was the hole in the ozone Yeah. and they associated it with, uh, you know, a lot of the fluorocarbons that were being used in aerosols and you don't hear about that anymore because, um, basically the legislation occurred to ban the products that were creating the problem. And so over a period of 10 years, you know, the, the hole in the ozone basically diminished to where that's not necessarily concern anymore. So, um, you know, these the, everybody can see the dramatic uh, weather conditions and everything. And so, you know, as people get education and more and more mainstream articles are publishing things like The Atlantic, which is my favorite magazine, uh, published a beans and, and not beef uh, article for the climate. They didn't talk at all about health or they didn't talk at all about um, uh, animal uh, compassion, but it was just do this for the environment. So 
Yeah, it's funny because it's been, uh, I don't know, like five or seven or eight years since Cowspiracy came out. Yeah. And like the whole point of that movie was the climate change environmental organizations are ignoring our food choices. And right. it seems like in the last year, maybe even the last three or four months, I've seen more and more, you know, people looking at the numbers and saying, oh, it's the food. Yeah, that's um, and I think that that movie um, had an impact on those organizations. So I know the Sierra Club has uh, adopted a vegan, you know, vegan policy for their events and uh, some of these other um, climate organizations are starting to become more active in uh, promoting uh, plant-based diet. Um, you know, Al Gore, I think, and his leaders for climate change, I, I was able to speak at one of their uh, their events and, um, uh, you know, show uh, cowspiracy to their, their leaders. So as you see that movie gain more traction, and other movies coming out. Um, I'm one of the executive producers of the Game Changers film that's coming out uh, September 16th. And I think that has the potential to be really uh, dramatic. Um, it's got all the Arnold Schwarzenegger and Jackie Chan, Lewis Hamilton, uh, Venus and Serena Williams, the Tennessee Titan uh, players, uh, Bryant, Bryant Jennings, uh, or Bryant... Uh, the, the boxer. So it's got all these really cool people in there that when they um, made a, a, a dietary change actually had that competitive advantage in their ability to achieve great things in sports. Mm. So um, I'm very excited about that. Oh, yeah, I can't. I can't. I've, I've seen, I think, two or three screenings. And every time I see one, they, they then say, well, we've got to make a whole bunch of changes. We can make it better. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm it's, glad it's coming out. It's been it's been a long time. Yeah. So I think the cool thing is that it'll be um, released in China. So the uh, CEO of Alibaba, which is Amazon's uh, counterpart in China, is uh, vegan and Jackie Chan, I think, promoting it. So the expectation is that it's going to go out through that channel as well. And China's wow. a hard to break into market. So wow. and the Chinese, you know, having that. Um, if that's a Western film with Western stars and sort of the role models there, I think will have a huge impact on the, you know, the Chinese market. Wow, that's cool. It's, 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 in my mind, that brings up like the complicatedness of, of the way we have to do politics. Like I just saw that I can't remember his name. The, uh, the CEO of Alibaba was in the news for kind of basically telling people that they should like work 100 hours a week. Right. And not like I, I immediately formed like a really negative impression of the guy, like, you know, workaholic, totally clueless and no empathy for anyone else. And now you tell me he's like vegan and bringing, you know, this movie to the billions of people. Yeah, yeah I, I guess I see it's sort of like the whole range of people that are involved with this movement. You know, some are going to be more fringe than others. Um I look at, you know, the company WeWork that has the uh, no meat policy and they're, I think they're like a, you know, $8 billion company, something like that. And that's where the millennials are going. And there's a, um, gosh, there's a conference in DC I just saw where I didn't, it's basically promoting uh, plant-based lifestyle. And it's, I think no one in there is over 
probably 60 that that are the speakers for this movement. And that gives me great encouragement because it seemed like for the longest time, you know, that it's Colin Campbell and uh, Dr. Esselstein and, you know, the sort of the rock stars that, you know, McDougal, that, uh, you know, Neil Barnard and Mike, uh, Michael Clapper, all of these senior people, it's like, okay, when is the traction going to happen that's going to light the next generation on fire? And so this this conference, I was, it was pretty cool to scan down, down the list of speakers and I, I don't know any of them. And it's like, what a, that's great because I start to see it's like the next generation is stepping up and, you know, they're starting, whether it's a vegan um, uh, clothing business or vegan travel companies or, um, you know, all of these things that are promoting this whole lifestyle um, is really exciting to me. Um, it just, it feels like the pace of change has increased and that what we were doing when we opened Green Fair in 2015, uh, and now, uh, you know, almost four years later, it's becoming sort of mainstream. The concept is mainstream. And so we've, what we've developed over three and a half years is sort of back to your earlier comment is how to make the food great where people don't miss having animal products in it. They don't miss uh, oil. They don't miss um, sugar. They just see that it's um, delicious food and they're mm. going to have a good experience. Right. So that's sort of where we've come and, you know, we've evolved to that and it, it's not easy to cook without oil. It's something that um, doctors and chefs are not trained in nutrition. So chefs are going to go to culinary school and their favorite uh, weapons of choice are salt, oil, and sugar. So they start out with oil and they add salt. And those are the things that people have been looking for. But people that have gone on this oil-free um, diet or without salt cooked in it start to notice that it tastes um, like oil instead of like the flavor of a, a fresh vegetable that you're expecting to get. Right. So um, you mentioned earlier that you're not quite in the black, right? So you're... Um, which 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 brings up the question like of scale, like you've got this incredible thing going. It's such an asset to the community. But we don't we don't want to tell people like, you know, here's how you make a small fortune in, in plant based catering. Start with a larger one. <laughs> right. Like, how, are you getting do you think you're getting to the point where what you're doing can inform other communities and Right, or is this is this like you know a unicorn because of your circumstances and and other you know unique things um, about it? Yeah, so I think for me in any kind of business, it's an investment. Like if you look at what Amazon did for ten years, they were they were in the red. So you have to think long term, and I think it's you know Apple and the iPhone. People weren't walking around saying, I need an iPhone that's going to put all of these, you know, all of these, my GPS and my camera into one one box on my, my phone. You know, they, I just want a phone. But Apple envisioned where people wanted to go. And so we're trying to do that from the standpoint of um, the recipe development, the education, creating a community around that. Um, and, you know, I'm looking for ways to partner with, uh, with companies right now. I'm, um, 
I believe that our niche is sort of in two things. One, it's in delivering classes teamed with PCRM. It's getting educate. How can we scale the education on a broader scale for people that still don't know how to cook and they don't know how to shop? And so teaching those, I have an app on my, uh, that I've developed um, that allows you to go into the grocery store and scan a barcode. And it'll give you a thumbs up or thumbs down. And it looks for, does it have animal products? Does it have um, too high sodium, too much oil, and um, too much sugar? And so it'll give you a, a green thumbs up or red thumbs down. And it's sort of demoralizing when you go in the store and you get thumbs down, thumbs down, thumbs down. But every once in a while, you'll find something that's a product that we support. You could eat all the time, and it wouldn't decline your health over a period of time. But is this products, is this avail is this available for the rest of us, or just you? It, no, it is. Um, if you search on Green Fair, um, uh, Green F R F A R E Green Fair, uh, it's called the app is called Skinny Shop, and uh, the the code is um, Eat Plants E A T P L A N T S. And you can log into that, and it'll um, allow you to select for things like uh, gluten, tree nuts, um, soy, and um, peanuts. So you can, if you have allergies, you can filter those things in, into the barcode as well. Oh, cool. Yeah. Cool. So, uh, so what, what else are you working on? Well, I'm trying to say so this health and wellness thing is pretty pretty exciting. I've got these partners lined up and I've found a place where we've got a proposal in uh, that would hopefully incorporate a farm and an animal sanctuary as well. So I've been working with um, Jean Bauer at uh, Farm Sanctuary and my goal is, um, I probably can't say too much about it right now because it's uh, it's being decided by some by some of the locally local county people, but if that happens, then we could create a real um, community in a in a county park uh, that they could actually scale to other parks. And so it's again sort of back to your point of creating a community of people and uh, the education. Um, we we started. Um, the Fairfax Veg Fest last last year, and we had about five thousand people that came to that. So we're doing that again in uh, April nineteenth this coming year. And uh, Colin Campbell, Neil Barnard, Michael Greger, Cortland Malloy, and Baxter Montgomery are are committed to come. We're oh, going to wow. put it in a larger space. And so the focus of the Veg Fest is on health, um, and we've that's we that's doing, a little different for Veg Fest. Yeah. Yeah, so we've got we've got yeah. one coming up uh, this weekend in uh, in Durham, North Carolina. Josh, Lejean. have you met Josh? I can't remember. Oh, I, I love Josh. Yeah, you, you met him when he came up to PCRM. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So he and I are the health talkers at the. Okay. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, for most veg fests, it's like how how much vegan junk can you can you get and. You know, it's probably okay to have that access once in a while, but the focus on it is really, I think if you get people that go for health, then it tends to be really sustainable, you know, and um, if people are, like I said, transitioning from one standard American diet to another just without animals and their health doesn't change, then they'll say, well, 
this really didn't work as it was expected because you hear all these great things about getting health through plant-based nutrition. So I have a little bit of a fear that people are going to feel sort of um, shortchanged by the expectation that if they eat this, they'll lose weight or feel better. And yeah. It, it's not necessarily, yeah. yeah. Well, you know, hell hath no no fury like an ex-vegan, right? Someone, uh, some, someone who who ate vegan and decided that they weren't feeling well or got sick or something, and yeah. and then you know went carnivore or paleo or something, and yeah, yeah. You actually, the one comment that I'll make is the vegans tend to be the hardest on us uh, at Green Fair. Um, the harshest comments we get are from people that were expecting vegan donuts or uh, is something that they've gotten at other vegan places. So we'll sort of get trashed by the vegans uh-huh. pretty harshly. Oh, dear. So those are, those so, are the one-star reviews? Or... Yeah, the one-star reviews. And I always say, you know, we're, you know, we're really focused on health. And so you try to explain things. Um, I love the reason I love Gene Bauer from Farm Sanctuary, I think, is because he comes at it from a perspective of love all all people, you know, love all animals, not just not just the, the <laughs> non-human ones. And so, you know, trying to help us on the, the path that we're uh, choosing to you know, share education um, with people. It's um, it, it's it's uh, I, I look at people like. Colin Campbell and Dr. Esselstyn as having done this for, you know, Colin since the eighties. So, and Esselstyn since the eighties and being how much harder it was them and how much they lost because they stood up for what were the right things to do. And so I feel like the, the minor cuts that we're getting right now um, are it's the last protest before it becomes mainstream. And so I tend to be very, very hopeful about that. Right. Um, But, you know, I mean, the people who are criticizing are not the ones who are doing. Yeah. I think anybody with a, with a phone and a fork these days can get on Yelp and, uh, you know, trash someplace, but they're, they're definitely, uh, you know, their views are actually, I think, harming the broader community than helping it. And so, you know, what we try to do is meet people where they are on their journey and help them go forward. And so, you know, even things like um, from an environmental perspective, the materials that we use at Green Fair the, uh, for our containers, we use all compostable containers. And it's not it's not the ones this, uh, the the. Um, that Whole Foods and I think Chipotle got in trouble for using, which had these liners um, that had the PFAS that got into the food. We're using; they're made out of all sugar cane, so when they they're entirely safe to heat and uh, freeze in, and they um, actually dissolve in 90 days. So if you throw it in the woods, it's gone. It's basically uh, like a plant product that goes away after you've finished eating. So it's sort of the ultimate cool thing, but they're expensive, right? And so it's sort of the same thing as uh, the the compostable bags that we use cost 25 cents instead of less than a penny. Mm. So you can sort of see why right now, until things get to volume, it's going to be similar to when organic started uh, selling that you could buy uh, organic blueberries that might cost like three times the cost. And so not many people are going to buy them. 
Um, but over time, what happens is when the delta gets so small that everybody's going to start recognizing that this is better for the environment, better for my health. And so they make those choices. So the cost goes down on orga organic, just like I expect the cost will go down on these, you know, environmentally friendly products. So we've been hopefully subsidizing the education and the change to promote these uh, things that I, I know are, uh, you know, beneficial um, for, for the environment. Uh-huh. Right. And how, I'm like... We have, to, we have to go in just a minute, but um, how is this different from, let's say, I don't, I'm sure how familiar are with like John Mackey's philosophy of, you know, conscious capitalism. It feels like you're, you know, his, his model and what he's built in Whole Foods, you know, parts, uh, you know, I love Whole Foods and I hate Whole Foods. Yeah. Um, but you know, like his story, if you listen to him, like talk about the history of how Whole Foods evolved is sort of one compromise after another to the marketplace. So it started out very pure and then, you know, adding meats, adding wines, adding cheese, adding uh, chips and all the junk food that they have now. And you're also, you know, an entrepreneur, I presume a, a capitalist, and yet you're not making compromises. Yeah. Um, and occasionally, you know, we'll have a discussion about whether to bring something that would allow us to be more mainstream, like to have a healthy menu and, uh, uh, you know, a vegan uh, menu, you know, that's going to have more choices uh, to bridge that gap. And I've sort of elected to be sort of true to our brand. Our, you know, our motto is um, healthy people, healthy planet. And when I first opened the restaurant, I planned to I, I interviewed all these other restaurant owners and I said, what would you do differently when you um, open then, you know, what's your experience and how would you do things differently? And across the board, they all said, have your liquor license available on day one. <laughs> and so I had uh, vegan wine and organic wine and beer, and we had a, a liquor license for wine and beer. And then I went to McDougal's wellness uh, program and, he said, you know, alcohol is a known carcinogen. And he just kind of kept talking and that stuck in my mind. And I went to cancer.org and you see alcohol is a classic carcinogen. And it's like, that doesn't really fit with our brand. So we allow people to bring alcohol in and we charge a minor corking fee, um, but we don't sell it. Mm -hmm. And so that's also caused our uh, profitability not to, not to happen. But at the same time, I, th I think what you're seeing now are the uh, the whole there were two articles maybe in the past month from The Washington Post on promoting sobriety, you know, that people are starting to recognize that that's a thing. Um, and I, I love your conscious capitalism thing. I very much um, when I read his book uh, years ago, I read the book and I saw there was a conference. I went to the conference and it very much embodies what I believe that if you're not doing something to make money, but you're doing it to promote a positive uh, thing in society that and you're focused on your customers, your employees, the environment, the community, the supply chain, and then watching finances so you can maintain, but you're not driven by finances as the number one goal. I think that's, and in my last business, my IT business, 
I didn't start a company to make money. I ended up making money because I created something that had very high value. And so over time, that value proposition became something that was known and accepted. And we had a a brand that had great integrity. And so that was what allowed us to, um, you know, to really thrive. And so my expectation is that that's, um, you know, that's becoming true with Green Fair, that people know uh, us as a safe place to eat and a place they can trust with their health. Beautiful. Well, you know, thank you so much. I still I still can't believe I haven't eaten there yet. We are. I'm coming up to the uh, Reducitarian Conference, which I think is in Arlington. Yeah, that's actually that's the conference that I was mentioning that has all these young people in it. That's over like September 25th, 27th. Yeah, 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 that's the one. Yeah, Yeah, I might be the oldest person there. Of course, even even when I'm a conference with Neil Barnard, I feel like the oldest person there because yeah. he's like a vampire. He looks like he's 16. I, I know him and Dick Clark, right? So, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a healthy lifestyle. But yeah, that's that's the uh, that's a conference that I was mentioning. It's it's going to be that's going to be really cool. So uh, yeah. when you're down down there, where um, Green Fair is the last stop on the Silver Line Metro. So it's easy to get to. And we're about half a mile from. Uh, the subway exit so you can Uber, Uber over. And um, it's a cool place. You, you come in and people say their blood pressure drops when they walk in the front door and uh, got a lot of cool animal pictures and books. And um, all our servers are sort of educated about plant-based nutrition. So it's a, it's a great place. Nice, nice. So, yeah, so before, before I let you go, um, how can people find Green Fair online if they want to check it out and become visit? Yeah, so Green Fair is um, greenfair.com and uh, Green Fair Cafe on Instagram. And we have a big uh, Facebook, uh, Green Fair Organic Cafe. And uh, I do a newsletter. If you go to greenfair.com, I do a newsletter every uh, week that talks about all the events that we have coming up. Um, Danny McGee is going to be doing a vegan cooking class this weekend. And we're at the farmers. We go out to the farmer's market every um, Saturday. So I'm out there talking with people um, about plant-based nutrition. So a lot of cool things. Awesome. Well, I'm so happy to talk to you to kind of get the the whole story. And so happy that you're you're out there making change in places where change has been hard. Yeah. Thank you very much for having me on your on your show. And I'll hopefully uh have you in when you're down here in um, in the uh, the next few weeks? Absolutely, I'll be in touch. All right, Howard. Thank you. Thanks, Gwen. All right. I hope you found that awesome and inspiring. I'm excited to say that I'm actually going to be eating at Green Fair on Thursday evening. So maybe I'll remember to pull out my phone and Instagram some of that. I tend not to do that. Uh, I'm more interested in the food than uh, remembering social media. But I'll be with Josh, so maybe he will. Uh, prompt me, move me into the digital age. So if you enjoyed this episode of the Plant Yourself podcast and you would like to support our mission, you can subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you've got a little bit of money, of course, you can become a supporter on Patreon. You can also go to plantyourself.com and find the Patreon button on the right sidebar and just click through there. You can also just let people know about this episode in particular or the podcast in general, share it on social media, take a screenshot, throw it up there and uh, help us spread the word, spread the message and spread the movement. 
So in garden news, the kale and collards are in the ground. We are having some beautiful uh, fall-like weather where it's not in the 90s. Things are not wilting, so I'm looking forward to green soon. And last night we had our, our final okra-inspired gumbo. So I think the okra is pretty much done. And now we're looking looking forward to the fall harvest. In running news, I did some good runs. I did a, a, a nine mile yesterday on the tobacco trail, and three of those miles were at tempo. So uh, on a below a, a nine minute pace. So foot's healing, and I'm going to start ramping up the training. All right. Thank you to Will Ridenauer for allowing me to use Savali Dawn. The Dance of Peace is the theme music for the show. Check out willridenauer.com for more of his gorgeous West African Kora music. And of course, thanks to all of you Plant Yourself podcast patrons, as in... Kim Harrison, Lynn McClellan, Anthony Disson, Brittany Porter, Dominic Mauro, Barbara Whitney, Tammy Black, Amy Good, Amanda Hatherley, Mary Jane Wheeler, Alan Kennelly, Melissa Cobb, Rachel Burns, Christine Nielsen, Tina Sharf, Tina Ahern, Jen Volkanovsky, David Bizek, The Mysterious, Michelle X, Elspeth Felton, Victoria Dolomanova, Leia Stoller, Alan Christensen, Colleen Peck, Michelle Andrew, Josina, Julian, Roland, Stu Don't Like Sarah, Durkis, Rundus, Circus, Kelly Cameron, Wayne Pedersen, Leanne Peterson, Janet Selby, Claire Adams, Sam Francis, Jeanette Bell, and Gila Sarah, David Donnie, Blair Cyber, Dory, Blair Cyber, Dorona Visa of Gio and Carolyn Argentati, Jody Friesner, Ruth Ann Misha Rosen, Michael Warbeck, the equally mysterious Tracy Z, Alicia Lemons, Rebecca Hughes, Val Lindemann, Rise of Cinnamon, Nick Harper, Stephanie Holmes, Martha Burton, Nicole Ramsey, Susan Ahmad, Molly the Inscrutable, Harry R. Susan Laverty, The Panda Vegan, Craig Kovic, Adam Sharp, Karen Berry, Heather Morgan, Ashley Corcoran, Kelly Machia, Dean Norton, Bonnie Lynch, Plant, Happy Organ, Sabina Kersel, Nigel Davies, Marion Blunt, Teresa Coppel, Shell Rutledge, Julian Watkins, Brito Connell, Brian Sheridan, Shannon Hirschman, Kate Rosalind, Diach, Julie Lame, Home Heather Guardian, Susan Watt, Connie Hainline, Aaron Greer, Alicia Davis, Aviva L. Heather O'Connor, Carolyn Jensen. Sherry Orlikoski of Plant Power for Health, Karen Smith, Scott Morani, Karen and Joe Crabtree, Tanya Lewis, Kirby Burton, Teresa Carell, Kevin McCauley, Elizabeth Rothschild, Kelly Baker, Miracle, and Jesse Cheryl Dwyer, Jenny Hazelton Valley, Peltier, Peter W. Evans, Colleen Harrison, Justine Divitt, Joshua Summermeyer, Dennis Bird, Darby Kelly, Lori Fanny, Linnea Lundquist, Valerie Hummel, Deb Casilla, Emily Akinelli, Levy Wallach, Rosamund Packetee, Dan Picorni, Stephen Leenan, Patty DiMartino, Mike and Donna Cards, D.M. Bishop, Bill Rielf, Gunter Schmidt, Marjorie Lewis, Kelly Moulton, Trisha Adams, Ian Cranon, Esther Shell, Nancy Sheldon, Lindsay Bashore, Gunmarie Hagen. Tracy Gulledge, Laura Heaton, Meg for Mama Says, Rochelle Kennedy, Joan Borstein, Diane Goldman, Stacey Stokes, Ben Savage, Michael Kay, Holly Butler, and David Hughes for your generous support of the podcast. That's it for this week. As always, be well, my friends. So if you appreciate the Plant Yourself podcast and would like to help support the mission of the show, there's a few easy ways to do it. One is to just go to wherever you get your podcasts and leave a review. Let other people know about it. Give us some stars. Give us some love. And that really helps us be found by more people. Something else, of course, you can do is let someone know about this podcast, someone uh, who you think would benefit. Send them maybe a couple of episodes that you think would uh, pique their interest or just uh, ask them to subscribe in general. And third, you can join arms and become a patron, a financial supporter of this show. You may have noticed that there's no advertising in the show and it's free for everyone and it's supported, paid for by those who can afford it. So if you would like to make a one time contribution or an ongoing monthly pledge, you can do so at plantyourself.com slash gift. 
All right, time for thanks. Thanks to Will Ridenour for allowing me to use his beautiful song "Sabali Don," the dance of peace. You can find more of Will's music at his website, willridenour.com. And of course, thanks to all of you Plant Yourself podcast patrons. Kim Harrison, Lynn McClellan, Anthony Disson, Brittany Porter, Dominic Mara, Barbara Whitney, Tammy Black, Amy Good, Amanda Hatherley, Mary Jean Wheeler, Ellen Kennelly, Melissa Cobb, Rachel Barons, Christine Nielsen, Tina Sharp, Tina Ahern, Jen Filkonofsky, David Vizek, The Mysterious, Michelle X, Elspeth Feldman, Leah Stoller, Alan Christensen, Colleen Peck, Michelle Andrews, Josina, Sarah Durkis, Rhymes with Circus, Kelly Cameron, Wayne Pedersen, Janet Selby, Kara Adams, Strong Fronsek, Jeanette Benham, Gil Assert, David Donahue, Blair Cyber, Toronto Vizo, Gio and Carol Argitati, Jody Friesner, Ruth Ann Thunderberg, Misha Rosen, Michael Warbeck. The equally mysterious Tracy Z of Eva Lael, Alicia Lemus, Rebecca Hughes, Val Lineman, Rhymes with Cinnamon, Nick Harper, and Martha Bergner, Susan Amon, Molly Levine, the inscrutable Harry R., Susan Laverty, the Panda, Vegan, Craig Kovic, Adam Scharf, Karen Burry, Heather Morgan, Kelly Machia, Deanne Norton, Bonnie Lynch, Plant Happy Oregon, Sabina Kurtzels, Nigel Davies, Marion Blum, Teresa Copel, Julian Watkins, Breed O'Connell, Shannon, Hirsch, Shannon Hirschman, Linda Ayat, Holm Hedegaard, Isa Tuzumak, Connie Hainline, Aaron Greer, Alicia Davis. Heather O'Connor, Carolyn Jensen, Sherry Orlikoski of Plant Powered for Health, Karen Smith, Scott Marani, Karen and Joe Crabtree, Tanya Lewis, Kirby Burton, Teresa Carell, Kevin McCauley, Elizabeth Rothschild, Ann Jesse, Cheryl Dwyer, Jenny Hazelton, Valerie Peltier, Peter W. Evans, Colleen Harrison, Justine Divitt, Joshua Sommermeyer, Dennis Bird, Darmy Kelly, Laurie Fanny, Linnea Lundquist, Valerie Hummel, Emily Iaconelli, Levy Wallach, Rosamund McEntee, Dan McCorney, Stephen Lehman. Petty D. Martino, Mike and Donna Cartz, Deanne Bishop, Bill Brielf, Gunter Schmidt, Marjorie Lewis, Kelly Molden, Trisha Adams, Ian Kramer, Nancy Sheldon, Lindsay Bashford, Gunmarie Hagen, Tracy Gullis, Laura Heaton, Meg from Mama Says, Rochelle Kennedy, Diana Goldman, Stacey Stokes, Ben Savage, Michael Kay, Holly Butler, Diana, David Hughes, Connie Rogers, Claire England, Sally Robertson, Parham Ganchi, Amy Daly, Brian Tourville, Mark Jeffrey Johnson, Josie Dempsey, Karen Schmidt. Pamela Hayden, Emily Perryman, Olga Sidoroska, Allison Corbett, Richard Stone, Lauren Vaught, Abedable Musings, Aaron Hasty, Sean Owen, Sagar Nayak, Erica Piedra, and Danielle Roberts for your generous support of the podcast. That's it for today. As always, be well, my friends. <laughs>